0: Welcome to the Exchange Church Podcast. You can find us on Facebook as well as Twitter and Instagram at Exchange Houston. The following is a message from our guest speaker. Well, all four of us, praise the Lord, amen. Didn't you guys just drop your burden somewhere and... Amen. Now... uh... For those of you that don't know me, if you don't talk back to me, I'll think you're not getting what I'm saying, and we'll be on the same point the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. The other side of it is, if you don't like what I'm saying and you nod and smile, I'll think you're with me, and we'll just keep moving. We'll get through all this okay. Yeah. Well, me and the pastor said amen. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> amen. <laughs> Let's pray. No. <laughs> um, so. This morning, I just, uh, I want to drop something to you and encourage you with this. Um, The title of my message, if you're taking notes, is called RIP, uh, R-I-P, turn to your neighbor and say, it's time to get ripped. Now, depending on how you know that word, that may be a good thing or a bad thing, because if I was getting ripped growing up, that was not a good thing. But if I was going to the gym getting ripped, that was a good thing. Yeah. Right. So words have all kinds of different meanings, don't they? Yeah. Um, as I travel, I work with people. I get the emotional and the mental poop out of their lives. Did he say poop? Crap? Dung? Yeah. Yeah. Greek word, scabola? Mm-hmm. Turn to your neighbor and say, scabola happened this week? See, you're more acclimated than that, then it's time to get ripped. So I just... But um, what I've come to find as I travel across the nation is people ask me, what can I expect of a session with you? What, you know, I've I watched your video. I know, I know we're going to do this. But, but what can I be guaranteed that I'm going to walk away with? And I tell them that you're going to walk away with more peace than when you walked in. Isn't that really what everybody's looking for? I mean, think about it. This whole world, our nation, is looking for peace. Just think about that. What are you looking for in your life more than anything else? Peace? Because it's not out here that really is the problem, it's in here. And it's how I handle out here according to what it does in here. Does that make sense? So the reality here is, is when I say it's time to get ripped, what I'm talking about is this picture that we're going to show up here. How many of you understand now where we're going with rip? And in what we're going to talk about today, rip is not a verb or a noun, it's a phrase. Getting ripped really means learning how to rest in peace. Now, it's interesting because we relegate resting to peace to when you're dead. Yeah. I mean, how many, of, how many of your friends look at you and say, how you doing? And when, they leave, when you leave, your, your greeting is not goodbye. It's, hey, rest in peace. <laughs> right. What? Yeah. yeah, hey, rest in peace. I'm still alive. <laughs> Do you know something I don't know? Why is it that only in death do we say, Well, you know, Earl, bless God, he was a good man lived a hard life. A lot of hard things happened to him, praise God. But you know what? He was okay. Uh, I hope he rests in peace. The implied thought on that is, is that in his life, there was no rest and there was no peace. And only in death can we actually rest in peace. So, if we're going to relegate resting in peace to death, and I don't know about you, but I'm a little weird. Uh, I'm from the Northeast. That doesn't make me a little weird. What makes me a little weird is is I like my whole life to walk through cemeteries. Probably because up in the Northeast, I don't know if it's this way here, but in the Northeast, we have cemeteries that go back to the mid-1700s. And most of the stones back then were either slate stones or they, they were these big white stones. They're not marble like they are now. They, they, they were kind of a limestone type stone. And on those stones, what I like to do is find the ones that had the hands on them. Because they'd, they'd point. And there were stones that would point like this, meaning that dude's going to heaven. He surely has some rest in peace, yeah? But every now and then you'd get a stone and you'd look at it and the finger was going like this. That was a bad day for that guy. I mean, there wasn't even anybody hoping that guy was going to rest in peace. And then there was one stone I saw one time. The fingers were going this way. They didn't know what way that dude was going. Up, down, didn't know. Didn't even have a hope for him. But if... We can only rest in peace when we're dead. How many of you know we don't need, if you're a believer in Jesus, I got any believers in Jesus here today? Yeah. I want to present a couple of thoughts for you, and then I want to walk through a process with you where we leave with a little more peace than when we came in. I'm going to piggyback off of what pastor started, and we're going to shoot right through this. He didn't know... What I was going to speak on today. But I just have to believe with all the people I sit down with. The world needs a salvation piece. Come on. When Jesus first came. Let me read this to you. When Jesus first came. In Luke 2. It says there were shepherds camping in the neighborhood. They had set night watches over their sheep. Suddenly God's angel stood among them. And God's glory blazed around them. They were terrified. And the angel said. Hey listen don't be afraid. I'm here to announce a great and joyful event. That is meant for everybody worldwide. Are you worldwide? Yes you are. If you were in Iran you'd be worldwide. It wasn't relegated just for those shepherds. And that countryside that they were in. Come on are you here? A Savior has just been born in David's town, a Savior who is Messiah and Master. That is what you're to look for, a baby wrapped in a blanket, lying in a manger. At once the angel was joined by a huge angelic choir singing praises, glory to God in the heavenly heights, peace to all men and women on earth who please him. There it is. There was the joy of the hope, a Messiah, to do what? To bring peace. Not to set up a kingdom here on the earth. Not in the way that the disciples thought. Come on, when you jump to them, they think he's going to establish an earthly kingdom. Yet when Jesus is talking to Pilate, Pilate says, hey, are you a king? Yes, it's as you say. Well, why don't your boys fight? Well, if my kingdom was of this world, we would fight. Whole lot of fighting in our elections. Not a lot of peace. God's kingdom infiltrates and affects every kingdom because it is a spiritual kingdom to restore the hearts and lives of men and bring peace. Peace to those who He favors. Anybody know Jesus today? Then you're favored. And while there's a salvation that brings peace to your spirit, there is this troubling part of us called our mind, will, and emotions, our souls. How many of you know that doesn't have peace all the time? I'll try this side. They're asleep. How many of you know? What's the problem? The problem is we haven't rendered ourselves dead so that we can rest in peace. What in the world does that mean? I'm glad you ask. You ask great questions. Let's look at Galatians 2.20. It says this, Christ's life showed me how and enabled me to do it. To do what? I identified myself completely with him. Indeed, I have been crucified with Christ. Stop the presses. Turn to your neighbor and say you're dead. Crucified means what? Death. Paul's saying, hey, I have been crucified with Christ. Now, this is in the Message Bible. I like it this way. It says, my ego is no longer central. It is no longer important that I appear righteous before you or have your good opinion. Wouldn't it be great to finally be free of trying to think about what other people care about me? You can do that if you realize you're dead. Dead men tell no tales. Dead women don't move. Dead people aren't affected by what somebody else says. Hey, you're ugly. Hey. Talking to you, you're dead. Dead folk don't respond. Come on, are you here? Listen to this now. And I am no longer driven to impress God. What? What? You mean I don't have to impress God? No. I don't have to perform a little jig for him? No. Well, I'm supposed to read my Bible, right? Sure. But if you miss a day or two, he's not breathing fire down over to you to consume you. As a matter of fact, if you miss a week, he gets it. He's in eternity. You know what a week for him is? Half a blink of his eyeball. You come to him and go, oh, God, I didn't talk to you in seven days. I'm so sorry. And he's going, what are you talking about? It was a blink. Like, talk to me. What, what's the problem here? Come on, are you here? I mean, listen, you got kids, Right? If they walk up to you and it's been a couple hours, do you slap them down and say, Hey, you grovel at my feet. You didn't come an hour ago. We don't do that to our kids. It's not in our nature. Why in the world do we think God would be that way? He waits on the edge of his chair for the second that you think his way, ready to talk to you. Ready to engage you. Not to go through a list of things that you've done wrong. That's already taken care of. See, there's peace in that. You don't have to impress God. Why? Because if you're crucified with Christ, you're dead in him. Does that make sense? Christ now lives in me. The life you see me living is not mine, but it is lived by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now listen to this. If we get included in Christ's sin conquering death, we also get included in his life-giving resurrection. Come on. I'm trying to get you to see that even though you're breathing, even though you're looking at me, even though that in the physical sense and even in the soulish sense of who you are, you're, you're alive, you're, but you are dead. What are you dead to? You're dead to the old nature that you had before Christ came into you by a spirit. See, your spirit man was dead to him. That doesn't mean that your spirit man was dead. Your spirit man can pop up there and tap into the spirit and things that are going on out there. It doesn't mean your spirit man is all dead like it doesn't function. It was just dead to God. But you are a spirit. Make no bones or... thoughts about it you are a spirit that has a soul that your spirit functions through and all of that is encased in this house that we both look at each other does that make sense so when paul says i've been crucified with christ i'm dead what he's saying is that that spirit man that was dead to christ now has come alive we call it being born again or waking up And Jesus came in perfectly into a mystical union with your spirit. And woke you up and made you alive to him. And you can say, yeah, but when I drive out of here and I got to cross that street and some knucklehead crosses over me, I want to wave at him. And I want to speak in a new tongue. And I don't want to have to interpret it. Come on, are you here? Y'all more spiritual than I am? Because it's hard to get across that picking road. I don't know if you've seen that or not, but about every time I come here, I'm in fear and trepidation for my life, praying white-knuckled, God, get me across this intersection. And it would seem that as I go across, my old man is resurrected. Preacher, you're preaching about being dead, but I'm telling you, I heard what come out my mouth. It don't sound like I'm dead. (laughs) No, you're dead. What you're dealing with is the memory of who you were, not who you were. That memory is ingrained in this mind, will, and emotions that you have. But if you were still dead to Jesus, you would not be alive to him. Meaning, There are ways that you're not the same anymore, amen? And it's not because of what people are telling you or what people are showing you. At some point, there is this in you, this inside-out work that motivates you. And see, once we realize that that is going on, that we are now dead, we can learn to rest in peace. Now. Not in the future, now. It says, therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of his Father, even, even so we also walk in newness of life. So how many of y'all have been baptized? And I'm sure when you were baptized, they told you that that water does not represent cleansing. It represents dirt. This is Death. You've already been cleansed. So the water represents, just like Jesus went into that tomb, you go down and you're dead in Him. It's like you have been absorbed into who He is in His death, which is good because then when you come up, it says the life I now live is through His resurrection power and the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, quickens your mortal body, and gives you the ability to live as He lives because He's living through you. Does that make sense? So now watch this. Let me get a chair. Hey, Reuben, you still in here? Just want you to belly here, just drape yourself across there. He's dead. One more point on this and then we're going to shift gears and move on. But I want I have got to get you to see and just remind some of you and maybe give you a new way of looking at it. You are dead. Dead men tell no tales. Meaning what? Meaning you don't move. You're dead. Anybody ever try to pick up a dead body? What is wrong with you people? People. I'm joking. The closest thing that I have been in connection with is my kids being dead. Dead sleep. Try and get them out of the car. My son's nine years old now and pushing almost 100 pounds. Talk about a sack of potatoes, right? I mean, you got to be careful with these little bodies because they go everywhere and you're carrying them. You lose one. Boy, they're going down. BAM! Now, I'm not saying that happened or anything. I'm just saying, you know. So finally, I just drape them over like a sack of potatoes. And But listen, dead people don't react and respond. Ruben, you're a stinking idiot! I got nothing. Reuben cuts in front of me in his vehicle. Reuben, you... <laughs> Nothing. Man, you just make me so mad. <laughs> Nothing. Oh, Reuben, you're never going to believe what just happened. I have to tell you. It's in prayer, of course, but I have to tell you about Bob and Susie. And and oh, you're never going to. And oh, my goodness. And, you know, and, let's pray for them. Oh, Reuben, we just, we can't tell it. Reuben. Dead is dead. I'm dead to the way I used to do things. I'm dead to the way I talk. I'm dead to how you're acting. How you're reacting. Dead is dead. Thanks, Ruben. Are you getting it now? Yeah, give him a hand. See, if I'm dead to me, Now I can be alive to him. So here's the problem. Why can I not rest in peace? That is a great question. I'm telling you, Pastor, your people ask great questions. (laughs) I mean, that's great. Feel good about that. I get that. Thanks for the picture. But you know what? I'm going to tell you like a friend of mine, an old elder told me, he said, Nate, I don't care what you preach. If it don't work in the dirt, pitch it. That's good. I get excited about that. That helps me understand. I get it. I'm dead. I'm alive in Jesus. But uh, how you walk that out? Come on. See, here's, here's part of the problem. Some of it, some of our inner tension is our theology. Meaning what? Meaning some of us believe that when we accepted Jesus he was going to be the new welfare system or the new slot machine or, or, or the new, you know, make everything okay. Come on, are you here? Like, if I got faith, like, I got faith. I pray a hedge of protection over my kids every day. I plead the blood of Jesus over them. I do everything in faith believing that God is going to take care of those kids when I'm not with them, right? But then you get news that one of your kids has been messed with. Repeatedly. Hmm. Now we have a crisis of faith. If our theology is messed up. Or what do you do when you're two years into your marriage and all of a sudden you take your spouse to the hospital and you got a four-month-old little boy and you've been Doing all your spiritual Wheaties and, and praying the way you're supposed to pray and all that, and all of a sudden you find out that your, your spouse has a brain mass. How many of you know when these things hit you, you're not feeling peace? Let me quote a real powerful guy that walked the earth to help you with your theology. In this life, you're going to have trials, problems, tribulations. If it were not that way, I would have told you, author, Jesus. Now, am I saying in any way that I don't believe that... that? We call those things as not as though they are and we pull them from the supernatural into the natural and grace is appropriated, all this stuff that by faith we access and we go from the unseen into the seen and all that kind of stuff. Absolutely, I believe it. I also believe that there's another side to this road that Jesus spoke very clearly and said, in the midst of all of that, you're going to have trials me coming and me doing what I did does not change the fact that this planet is jacked up. That's why I came. He didn't promise in every situation that there would be a rose garden, stained colored rose glass windows, mom, apple pie, Ford, Chevrolet. Meaning what? Meaning that everything would be hunky-dory. So part of the lack of peace we have is having a misconception about who God is and the expectations that we should have of Him. Should we believe by faith? Should we pray? Should we declare? Yes, all those things are right. At the end of the day, if something happens, my faith is not going to be shipwrecked Why? Because Jesus said, whether you make the mess, or the mess comes to you, He's the Messiah of the mess. If He's not a Messiah, we don't need a redemption. But we do need a redemption. We need a redemption every day. Because some of our messes journey with us longer than overnight. Running up the credit cards. Not just having a problem with spending, just trying to live. Whatever the situation you find yourself in, there is an ability to come to a place of resting in peace if you recognize that the same Jesus that slept in the storm lives in you and he can help teach you to sleep in the storm. Come on, are you here? Because that scripture goes on to say, be of good cheer for I have overcome the world and if I live in you, you're an overcomer also. And I just got to believe that somebody here today needs to know that you are an overcomer, not because you can come over, but because he living in you will give you The power, the wisdom, the understanding, the divine appointments, whatever's necessary for you to overcome with him because he already overcame, which means you've got to have something roll up over you to come over. And with everybody that walked up here today, we can recognize that in at least one area of each of our lives, Something has rolled up over us. Mm -hmm. Come on, are you here? Yeah, that's good. So, if I adjust my understanding to know that God walks with me in it, then I'm 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 wanting to get through it, but I've got an anchor now. I can now go on the offensive, so to speak, internally and in a focused direction rather than feeling like, where's the next hit coming from? Come on, are you here? I mean, think about it, guys. Jesus was in that boat. We sang about a different storm today, but Jesus, Luke says that Jesus got in the boat, laid down, fluffed his pillow, and went to sleep. And that a storm blew in. We had professional fishermen on that boat. I fly in airplanes a lot. And if we get some turbulence and I see a stewardess looking at me a little concerned, I wait for the ding. What are you talking about? Yeah, eventually there's going to be a ding and this commanding... Usually, soft but firm voice comes on of affirmation. Hello, this is the pilot. As you can tell, we're experiencing a little turbulence. No problem. We're going to jump up about 5,000 feet out of this thing. It's going to be a little bumpy. But uh, stewardess, go ahead and sit down, and we're going to be okay. How many of you know when you hear that ding, we're good? We have professional fishermen who this is their livelihood coming to Jesus in the midst of the storm. Not not the unprofessional fishermen. This boat is doing this. He's still sleeping. I mean, let's just pause and think how can you sleep with your body doing this. But he's still sleeping and these guys who are professionals are coming to him going, wake up, we're going down. See, I don't don't get nervous with the stewardesses. It's if the pilot gets on after the ding and you hear this ding, hey, I don't care what God you pray to, pray, any of you tongue speakers, speak of tongues, we're getting ready to go down. Now I'm going to get a little nervous. But Jesus, they wake him up. And he's like, why are you waking me up? And they're like, do you usually sleep like this? And he goes, what? And he walks out. And he goes, hey, knock it off. And the wind and the storm go, oh, crap. The creator of the universe was in the boat and we knew it not. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. See, your external circumstances may not change immediately. But if Jesus is in the spirit man of who you are, he can identify with you and speak to your soul and tell your soul, knock it off. And that will give you an ability To be able to partner with him, look at the circumstances and see them in a different light than what you're seeing them when the storm inside of you is raging because the storm outside of you is raging. Does that make sense? So then we come to this passage. Matthew 11. Come unto me. All you who are laboring and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. Listen to this again. And you will find rest for what? Your soul. There it is. Rest for your soul. What's this world need? rest for their soul what do you need rest for your soul why did everybody walk up here because a lot of times we come to church hoping for a little peace god wants us to walk predominantly 24 7 in peace but we come in hoping for a little trickle of peace And then we wait to see how long it takes from the doors to the car to home to see how long we can lose it. Okay, y'all more spiritual than I am. Only pastor and I are going to join in on this. It's just us that have peace lost. And that can be as simple as if you're ever going to have a fight. It's going to be coming to church and going from church. Did you ever notice that? Some of our worst fights are the 24-hour period when church has been declared and the time frame has been given. Right. I mean, Christmas Eve service. You ought to start praying three days in advance. Because <laughs> some of you are going to get in such a fight, Christmas is going to suck. Yep. Come on. Come on. I'm just telling you. You ought to declare from the 23rd to the 26th, no argument zone. We're going to button our lips. I'm just saying. We doing all right? Labor means to grow weary, tired, exhausted from toiling. It's also the, the grief and the sorrow and the pain that we carry. You ever had so much pain that you just start hitting yourself trying to get it to stop? Serious. Like if there was just a tangible way you could open this thing up and just. Come on, life's hard, guys. But be of good cheer. There is a way to get to a place where you can find rest for your soul. Rest here, let me tell you what rest is. To cause, to permit one to cease from any movement or labor. I like this part, to recover and collect your strength, to refresh. Some of us need that here today. We need the rest because in that rest comes peace. So it's not rest in peace, it's rest for peace. Does that make sense? They go together. We already know we're dead. Now we're talking about the heaviness of things that come, the things that hit us. Listen, God never, ever intended you to carry life. He intended you to do life. He didn't intend you to carry life. That's too heavy. That Listen, doing life is tedious enough. Carrying life will kill you. Even if you're a zombie. Your body may be moving, your eyes may be open, but there is nothing going on here. Because your soul has come to a place of complete exhaustion. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. So rest is being able for your soul, your mind, will, and emotions to come to the place where there's a replenishment, like a battery that's charged. The issue is not your spirit Your body is a direct effect of what's going on in your soul. That's why John says be in health and prosper even as your soul prospers. Why do a lot of people sick all the time? Because their soul is sick. Because if you got peace in here and you're not in torment and all the energy of your existence isn't going to try and, and keep this soul in a position where you can just survive then all that energy gets to go other places like taking care of your body, focusing on purpose, having clarity from God. Does that make sense? So peace. Peace in the Old Testament comes from a word called shalom. The definition we'll use today is simply nothing broken, nothing missing. The reason why some of you are not at peace is because you've journeyed long enough in life that there's parts of who you are, so to speak, that are broken. And you've been in relationships and something's been pulled away from you and now now there's an emptiness, there's something missing. Come on, are you here? You jump over into the Greek, I mean, think about this. Jesus and his disciples are doing this awesome ministry. Fox, CNN, MSNBC, they're all following them. They're drawing big crowds. Every time Jesus draws a big crowd, he walks through the crowd and gets away from them. So Peter, James, and John, they're there to be interviewed. Yeah, well, I'm Peter. Yeah, that was Jesus, and we did this. And they're getting his travel agenda together, you know, and they're telling these guys where they're going to be next and they're just having a great old time and they go to go to bed that night and Peter's looking at James and he's going, hey man, we got an interview with, with uh, what's the, uh, I don't even remember, but we got an interview tomorrow, this is going to go national and, 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 and they go to bed and they wake up the next day and Jesus kind of stretches, cracks his back, they're waking up and he says, hey guys, just want to tell you, I'm leaving did he say he's going to relieve himself or he's leaving what yep it's better for you that I leave I'm out you just went all in with this guy business life you're losing the interviews The first thing he says to them after he tells them I'm leaving is not, hey, but listen, I'm leaving my authority with you guys. I'm leaving my power. You no, know, the first thing he says to them, hey, my peace, I'm going to leave with you. Not as this world knows. It is a peace that this world needs and needs today. What does that peace look like? That's a great question. You ask great questions. Four words to identify this peace. Safety, security, prosperity, felicity. For me to have peace, it means that I have to feel secure. Come on, ladies, we know this better than, 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 than men because if you're a typical lady, deep, one of your deepest needs is security. Come on, men's is respect, female's is security. And the vice versa happens. If men don't feel respected, then all of a sudden they start doing things that make their wives don't feel safe. And then the wives continue not to respect. And the men continue to do things that make them. And, and, but if we turn that thing around, and when a woman feels secure in who she is and where she is, she has peace. And oh, by the way, men, we do have that on a level because we are the bride of Christ. Jesus was talking to 12 guys and he said, hey, don't get nervous. I'm leaving my arene, the Greek word peace. I'm going to have you be secure. I won't leave you orphaned. I'm going to send you my spirit. And so it's not just me with the 12 of you. It's me one-on-one with each one of you all the time. Woo!" So where we feel safe, come on, where we feel secure, we open up, we, 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 we feel a zone here where it's okay to be me. And then prosperity, come on, we, we just touched on that a little bit. And then there's this word called felicity. What in the world is a female's name doing in the definition of peace? Um, I don't know that word other than a female's name. So I look it up. It means intense happiness. Intense happiness. (laughs) I think Jesus was the most smiling dude on the planet. I think that's why all the people that weren't religious hung out with him. And all the religious people didn't. Because happy people make religious folk nervous. They think you're up to something because they are. They think you're trying to get to them because they are. They're like, what is going on with you? Listen, some of us, our assignment needs to be that we look in the mirror every day and smile at ourselves. It's like you got saved and your face forgot. Yeah. Yeah. I'm smiling. That's the truth. Right. We know it takes less muscles to smile than frown. But it's really hard to smile if I've got this inner torment going on and no felicity inside. Amen. I mean, this gets worse culturally the further north you get to Maine. I was in New Hampshire this year at the service station, and this guy was like... I went, "Hey, How you doing?" You're not from around here, are you? (laughs) Nope! What gave it away? Are you okay? Yeah! Are you? Listen, guys. In my healing process, God put my laugh back in me. It's a horrible thing when you're so broken that you can even make everybody around you laugh, but you can't feel it. And I remember the day that I laughed, a belly laugh that God gave me as he restored parts of my life. And for the rest of my life, I determined, I don't care if you get offended. As a matter of fact, if you get offended, it's a good indicator that there is something wrong in you. Because I needed a whole lot of medicine and laughter is a medicine. Smile. And if you can't, ask God why. Why? Listen, he became unrecognizable on the cross, right? Yeah, that's what scripture says. But somewhere in the middle of him being a hunk of meat on a stick, I still think somewhere where his mouth was, he had this sly smile on his face. Because his life and his existence was not dictated or defined by what was going on in the moment. Abraham is the father of faith. He produced a son named Isaac. Isaac means laughter. Laughter. It doesn't matter where your storm is. If you can get to the place where you have faith, you'll be able to laugh in the midst of your storm. So if you're not at a point where you can even crack a smile, let alone laugh, just realize that we have got to dig in and release some things and let some things go so that we can have that place of peace inside. So five things real quick. Gonna blast through them, we're gonna pray, and we're done. Five things that steal your peace. Ready? Number one, offense. Yeah. And it's just like Pastor said earlier, it's as he was saying, you know, hey, I get up here and we can say these things and we all shout and we get around them. I could give any one of you a mic and you could give me five minutes on forgiveness. Yet when I sit down with about a thousand people a year. Half to two-thirds of the time we're praying, we're forgiving people. You know what that means? We're not doing it on our own, even though we know it. So it's not new that what sets us free. It's what true that sets us free and what we apply in that truth. Listen, there is a whole realm of, of peace and joy that will come out of you if you'll finally forgive that person, and that person could simply be you. The two people we forget to forgive are ourselves and God. We just, our theologies don't allow us to forgive God. And we feel like we can't forgive ourselves because, you know, whatever we're blaming, regretting, resenting, or beating ourselves up about, you know, we need to do that because, you know, somehow we need punished. And if God's not going to do it, I surely can. Come on, are you here? The second thing that steals our joy is holding on to situations like losses. You lose a person, you lose a business, you lose a job. Anything that means something to you when it's gone, that's a loss. Losses carry emotional weight in our hearts. And unless somebody like me comes along, we don't think about the reality that God hasn't assigned us to carry the emotional weight. Jesus in Matthew or in Isaiah 53 says, he bore our sorrows. He carried our grief. We don't have to carry it. We can jettison it. We can truly let go of the sadness, the sorrow, the grief. <coughs> we can let it go, as Pastor was saying. Why do you think Jesus said, cast all your cares to me because I care for you? Yeah. Does that mean I can just sit on the couch, sipping a latte or a Corona with a lime yeah. and just wait for life to happen? No, that's not what we're saying. Listen, we have a responsibility to do in this life, but we don't have a responsibility to carry everything in right. this life. Yeah, that's right. that's true. Does that make sense? Another thing that steals your joy, you carrying the emotional weight of someone else. You carrying the emotional weight of someone else. How, how do I know if I'm doing that? Well, when you think about whatever person you're thinking about, do you get worried? Do you feel guilty? Do you get anxious? Do you get stressed? It's taking the attitudes, actions, reactions, and decisions of someone else and putting them on your shoulders. You have no ability to change anything in that person's life. They have to make the choices, but somehow you think by carrying them that way, you're going to do something in their lives. No, you're just going to kill yourself. Because the second that you do that, You start feeling stress, worry, anxiety, guilt, anger, depression. The second that you release that, there it goes. You'll feel it. I had one woman just sit and shake for five minutes. Her physical body reacted because she was carrying so many people. She just sat there and shook. I said, it'd be all right. Your body just reacting to the fact that you're finally free. Come on, are you here? So we're going to bow our heads, close our eyes. Jesus, show us one person that we need to forgive. Now everybody's not going to have every one of these prayers that we're going to pray. But we're going to corporately pray them all together so that the people around you can have the faith to release what's inside of them. We're not going to shout it to you and God in that chair. But there is a supernatural thing that happens in your soul when you open your mouth and you release. That's why it says confess that you be forgiven and healed. There is a supernatural, soulish transaction that goes on. So Jesus, show each one of the people in here, each one of your sons and daughters, one situation, one place where they need to forgive today. Let's pray this together. If God showed you somebody, if He didn't, then just pray the prayer with us. Jesus, by an act of my will, I choose to forgive this person for these things. And I release them. I release the person, I release the things that they did, I release the things that they said. I release the betrayal. And all the weight that these things have carried in my heart and in my mind. And I let it go. In Jesus' name. Jesus, show each one of your sons and daughters one burden they're carrying that you haven't asked them to. Show them a loss. If they're carrying the loss and the weight of that loss. If they're carrying, maybe it's finances. Maybe it's their marriage. Maybe it's... You know what it is, Lord. You know what they have put on their shoulders Just show them, boom, bring that heaviness right to the forefront. Let's pray this together. By an act of my will, I choose to release this situation, this loss, and the weight of this loss, and the weight of this situation. I choose to release it to you now, Jesus. With all the heaviness and the stress. And specifically pray this too. I release the finances. The weight of the finances and the lack of the finances. However that's said out of you, just begin to say it. I release it. I give you the burden of it. And I let it go. Now, Jesus, show each one of your sons and daughters one person that they've tied to their backs and they're carrying the emotional weight of somebody's life. If it's not themselves and it's someone else, show them one person, whether it's a child, a friend, a parent, a coworker, a spouse. Who's that monkey on their back, so to speak? that's causing the emotional turmoil inside of them right now now let's pray this together by an act of my will I choose to release this person these people and the weight of their lives to you Jesus you be God you be responsible for them You take care of their lives. I let them go. In Jesus' name. Now, I want you to just all lift your hands to the Lord. Because in those places that we just emptied out in your soul, we're going to ask Jesus by His truth to fill them. Jesus, what truth do you want your sons and daughters to know right now? What do you want them to feel? What do you want them to see? What do you want them to experience? What do you want him to hear, Lord? I hear him saying over some of you, you're blessed. You're blessed. I hear some of him, I hear over some of you him saying forgiven, free, released, a lot of released. I hear him saying, I release you. I hear him saying pure. clean for somebody I hear him saying it wasn't your fault it wasn't your fault nothing you could have done there it wasn't your fault some of you, I just see an image of Him right now, a sun coming up over the horizon, and I hear Him saying, it's a new day. It's a new day, it's a new day for you. 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 For somebody, I hear Him saying, hope one more time. Just hope one more time. Believe one more time. someone else, I hear him saying, I'm sorry. You thought you were alone. You weren't alone. I was there. That wasn't supposed to happen. I'm sorry. Jesus, whoever needs it right now, would you just show up in that memory or in that place in their mind? where they feel utterly and totally alone. Would you show them where you were that day, what your heart was towards them, how you felt about them? Lord, reach into those places of emptiness in your sons and your daughters' minds and hearts when they were little boys and little girls, young men, young women, in those places where the emptiness and the aloneness was created. Walk right into those places, Lord, today. Help them to see you there in that place. Hold them, secure them. Save them in that place. For yours, Lord, yours is the kingdom, yours is the power, and yours is the glory. Right now, Thank you for listening to the Exchange Church Podcast. Follow us on our social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search for the Exchange Church Houston. If you would like to give to the Exchange Church, you can go to our website at IamTheExchange.com and look for the red button in the top right corner labeled Give Online.